we've been on a journey for several weeks now. Um, it's, a, it's a unique journey in the history of our church. As you know, um, um, since Pastor Ram has come, has come aboard, we've, we've had a lot of great conversations about how to move forward as a church. And one of the things that we, w- we really would like to do is um, define um, some, some form of church membership, you know, where we've never had one for 10 years. And, um, and we've been a family, but we've never had an official membership. So we want to, that's our, one of our goals is to really define that. Um, and that will help us to then know those that really feel a commitment from the Lord to be here. And so we began, uh, one of the things that we started to do, and it all began with, um, it all began, to give you a little insight, it began by us meeting for, we were going to talk about um, children's ministry. That was our focus in a meeting. We're going to talk about how do we, how do we work on that. And, and, and it just dawned on us that before we can even be establish any ministry for the kids that from a Sunday school, that we need to establish first the church and find out who's um, committed so that we can then begin to train teachers help them and help support the ministry of training kids. But before we could do that, we need, we need to define parameters. And so we began, and we both agreed. It was like just neat how the Lord just kind of, um, we, we need to present. And we, we, we built these outlines. We, get, we built some of these outlines in our own meetings, just what, what are the topics that we, we ought to cover to give a foundation to people in the church. What's it, what, what is the church? What does it mean to be a member of the church? What are expectations and things like that? People are very weary of membership nowadays. We're living in a generation that really has no commitment. They don't want contract. They don't want marriage. They don't want nothing. Right? Don't, don't, you know, I, I just want to be able to be a free agent. And that's in the culture. And it's gotten into the church, too. And um, I think church membership is not a biblical requirement. You know, it's not, we're not saying that it is. But we feel, given the, the atmosphere, given the culture, it is wise and prudent to have one. All right, so so we began this series on the church, and um, one of the first things that we did was um, um is really uh, lay an outline of what we want we would think that would be good for you to understand what is the church. So so we're gonna continue, and uh, we're gonna just do some just quickly some stuff that Ron did the little review, and then pick up what I think is gonna be the more the most complicated, probably the most complicated topic um, is the design of the church. And so I'm going to try and uh, make it so it's a little easy, uh, but it is, it is important. So we'll, we'll, we'll start to lay some foundations today. So let's, let's read from Exodus, Exodus chapter 25, verses 8 and 9. Lord, did you begin the recording? Exodus 25, 8 and 9. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. So this is, um, um, you know, God speaking um, to Moses. Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst, exactly as I showed you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and all its furniture, so you shall make it. I'm going to read that again. Let them make me, God is commanding Moses concerning the people, let the people, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. So we're going to talk about that. So one of the things that we plan to talk is um, what's the goal? What's the whole point of the church? Well, that he may dwell in their midst. So, but that's a different topic, right? But ex- exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and all its furniture, so you shall make it. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word that guides us and leads us and enables us to understand. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, that your grace would help us make these things clear in our hearts and in our mind and build us up. Let it not just be theological information, but let it transform our hearts that we might truly fall in love with Jesus Christ and his people, that we would see this grand, magnificent idea that you have from the beginning of time, even before the beginning of time, you came up with this grand idea of having a people for yourself. And that for all eternity, this people will play a unique and climactic role for all eternity in the, Lord, the display of your glory, in the rule of your kingdom. And so what a magnificent thing, Lord, that you're doing. And so how elevate our understanding 
open our hearts and our minds, Lord. We, we're living, Lord, in a recession of the things of God, and in particular, the house of God, the church, is in a recession. But, oh God, there are some glorious days coming where the glory of the latter house will be greater than the former days. And so I'm asking to change all of our thinking concerning the church, concerning the people of God, concerning this group of people. Lord, help us get rid of, um, Lord, ideas that we've imported from other things that have no biblical basis. But now, Lord, strengthen us so that we might really love your house. Even as Jesus said, zeal for your house consumes me. Lord, there's a reason why you have that zeal that was consuming you. It's because your house is magnificent. Jacob saw it, Lord, in that dream he had. He said, this is Bethel, the house of God. And so he, he saw how awesome is this place. And so I pray that you would help us to see the awesomeness of your house. And so do that gl glorious work in us, we pray. Amen. Amen. So we've been, you know, Pastor Ron's been doing a, a wonderful biblical theology of the house, the, the church. And so we, he gave us a few pictures. So let's just go through them quickly. Just, um, just first of all, uh, the church is a family. Uh, the first thing is um, you, you, church is a family. And, and this, this biblical theology is, is going to help us to understand what is the church, what is it. And, so, and one of the ways that the Bible teaches us what it is, is by giving us pictures. Pictures are so awesome. You know, it's like this. Jesus used that language all the time. The kingdom of heaven is like, right? Uh, so so, so, so the, the Bible has used these pictures. So it's a family, right? Do, um, do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers. That's family. That's familial terms, right? Older women as mothers, right? Uh, and younger women as sisters in all purity. So God's church is a family. So these pictures, so just giving you a little summary. Another picture that we were given is that church, the church is God's field. God's field. For we are God's fellow worker. You are God's field. All right? So these are metaphors, pictures that help us to interpret in those pictures. Because the reality is, is that remember when Nicodemus came to Jesus by night and Jesus said, you must be born again. And um, right, so and Peter and Nicodemus like, oh. <laughs> I was like, he just said, I gotta go back to my mom's womb. Oh, I mean, uh, you know, <laughs> like, and Jesus said, no, no, no. See, I, 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 Jesus, I, I, I can only talk to you about spirit. I can, I can, if I was to talk to you about spiritual things, you won't understand. <laughs> so the the reality is that the spirit world, right? God uses the thing of creation, things there are metaphors and pictures that God uses to understand that which is. Spiritual. You understand? Their spiritual is a reality. There's a, that re, the reality of the spiritual world is more real than this. This is temporary. There's coming a time that will there be that chair won't exist. Everything that's natural will be transformed, and there will be a, a Jesus' kingdom is coming, and it'll be a spiritual kingdom. Doesn't mean that we're gonna be spirits. <laughs> But it means that, that you know, yes, well, there will be a new heaven and a new earth, but it will be a spiritual reality in the form. Why? Because God is spirit. We're going, by the grace of God, we're br God is bringing into his reality. Praise God. So this is just temporary. The natural realm is just temporary. We're, we're, God's, uh, we're God's field. So thirdly, um, the church is God's building, God's building. So here's another picture. Another picture trying to describe something that is spiritual. Um, you are God's field, God's building. So building, and, and we need to meditate on these things and think about that's what the church is. How does my church more or less resemble these metaphors? Right? Those are the those are questions that we have to ask ourselves. Are we a building? Are we a are we a family? Right? Those are serious, honest questions that any church should be asking because that's what the Bible says that we are. Amen. 
Uh, fourthly, the church is God's temple. Right? As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. A temple. A temple is a place where they're sacrificing and worship to God. Are we that? You know, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, those are the things, these are the metaphors that we are held accountable for. You know, we can't become, we can't do what we want to do. This is God's place, right? It's, it's a reality that God is the one that wants. He's got the plan. He's got the design. It's, it's not me. I can't. Well, I, I, that's just what I like, Lord. <laughs> a, a big voice will come to my mouth. I don't care what you think. It's not complicated. <laughs> you know? It's like wait, wait, Peter, James, and John. You know? Oh, Lord, that is so good. You know, when Jesus was transfigured. Oh, it's so good that we're here. We could build three tabernacles. And while Peter was speaking, right, and a cloud came, and in the, God was not even, you know, he didn't wait until, let me be, let me be a gentleman and wait till he finished. No, no, God says, no. This is my beloved son. Amen. So it's like, yeah, this is God's temple. This is his house. So we got to know how to, how to walk in it. Right? We got to be, you know, we're going to give account to God. I'm going to stand before Jesus Christ, and your God is going to speak forth some of your names, and I'm going to have to come up and give an account. That's sobering. That's scary. Is that scary? You're going to give account too? <laughs> you have, you, we all have a ticket? <laughs> oh, I don't have a ticket. Just look at your ass pocket. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> All of it, you're gonna have to give account to God for, for everything that God has placed in your in your sphere, Jesus Christ, of responsibility. So, so we're all in it. So let's encourage one another. Amen. Let's encourage one another because standing before God is not a thank God for the blood. <laughs> thank God for the blood, right? That we'll be able to stand. Oh, what an awesome thing! The blood, right? The righteousness of Jesus Christ is, will be enough. Amen? The church is um, not only God's house. Number six, um, the church is the body of Christ. The body of Christ. Rather speaking the truth and love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint which is equipped. And each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself in love. We're the body of Christ. That's a metaphor that is crazy. That's, that's a crazy metaphor. Right? Like, like, I'm like the elbow of Christ. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I'm like the elbow. I'm like, you know, you're the air. You're the, we're the body. Like, we're, we're like organically connected through Jesus Christ. That's sobering. So, so, so now you know why I, I just can't do what I want. Right? I can't just do what I want. Right? I watch what I want. Here, I, I got to. I'm like organically connected to this, the Holy One of Israel. I'm like, I'm like, okay, where are you going? You know, so like, I gotta, I gotta conform. <laughs> right? You know, so we're the body of Christ. That's crazy. And um, finally, um, we're the, the church is the bride of Christ. The bride. That's 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 the, that one. He, he, Jesus is not our boss. He's not our supervisor. He's our Lord. Church is the bride of Christ. I think I have another one after this one. That means that love is the language. <laughs> Romance. Oh man, I remember. I remember as a young person saying, "Like, okay, I gotta take a step back." It's about romance. Where the climactic, all other brides are just types. We are the fulfillment of the bridegroom. Is that is that like crazy? 
that, that there is a climactic expression of love that will be super extraordinary. Now, think about this. Like, the angels don't participate in this. The angels are not the bride. <laughs> Whoa! you away when you go to pray heavenly father I'll, I'll have her. <laughs> no you're a bride I love you my darling true read the song of Solomon Read it. It's, it's there in the Bible. Most magnificent romance. That's just a type. I want to encourage you. This is beautiful beyond description. Who here, every human being wants one thing, love. And that, that love is found in Jesus Christ. But love in its fullness. It's not the love of an uncle to a cousin. <laughs> love of a man and his wife and there's nothing like it you, we, you, we, we, of us that we marry it's like there's just nothing like it nothing like it it's just beautiful it's so just so thick Crazy. <laughs> but seriously, you know, you think Christianity is boring? You think you think like I don't like this thing. I'm, I'm gonna, are you kidding? This is beyond your wildest imagination. This is adventure and love extraordinary. This is a journey that you can you will never fully grasp in its beauty and magnificence. Do you think just died on the cross so that you can go to church and read the Bible? That's great. No, it's so much more. It's to know God in His in the in the fullness of all He is. Amen. Now how can we go home and then people don't read the Bible for a whole week and they don't pray? I'm like, are you kidding? The lover of your soul, He's knocking. He's coming. And Jesus, oh man, Jesus is loving. <laughs> Some of you are like, oh, don't talk with that. <laughs> He's a lover. Extraordinary lover. You understand why Jonathan and, and David are type? The love, their love surpassed that of women. Why do you think it's that, it's that there? For? It's not because they were homos. Uh, oh, they were homosexual. No, they're not. You know, that's a lie of Satan. It was there to show us what was coming. A love so incredible that would literally would swallow you up. A love so intoxicating. Amen? That's Christianity. Amen? Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. The mystery is profound and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Amen? Cultivate that. That's what, when we say cultivate relationship with Jesus Christ, cultivate, this is a, a, an important aspect of cultivating love with Christ. Lord, teach me how to love you. Some of us have been hurt. Some of us have been wounded. Some of us don't know our hearts, love our own family, and, and are, are just restricted in our affection, right? We're like, mm -mm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. I'm I love you, brother. I love you, sister. But all you're like in Fort Knox. <laughs> Your affections are in Fort Knox. And, and that's the way we live. But, but let the Holy Spirit free you 
when it comes to your relationship with Jesus Christ. You say, Jesus, I've got these hurts, and, and I don't even know how to love you. But I want to love you. Teach me how to love you. Can I wake up in the morning with song in my heart just singing to you and serenading Jesus day and night? <laughs> right? He could do that. He frees you, frees you from all the hang-ups of like, We've been hurt, right? We, all of us have been hurt. All of us, we don't have, you know, my, my, my daddy didn't tell me I love me. You know, we all have all these packages. We're like this, yeah. <laughs> We're like little prunes. But then Jesus' love comes and it's amazing. I'm, I'm not, I, when Jesus' love came to my life, I mean, I tell people, it was just like unbelievable. How it, it just frees me from all the hurts, all the pain, all the, all the self-esteem issues. It just went down the toilet. And it was like, it feels like a million dollars. And I remember in my little ways, I didn't have a lot of language. I would say, Lord, I feel like a million dollars today. I feel like a million dollars. <laughs> I was just like, I'm just, this is so fantastic. You know, but he's just so magnificent. He frees us up to enjoy him. Amen? I want to encourage you. This is, this is our destiny. All right, so those questions, these images... That Ron did such an excellent job. I so enjoy. I so enjoyed it. I have to tell you, I really enjoyed it. It was just, you know, they, they, they answer the question, "What is the church?" Today, we want to consider. Right, we're going to begin. We're going to lay foundations, and we're going to we're going to stop. I'm not going to go too long, but today is, you know, we're going to no go a little deeper. The images. Okay, we got the images. We got it. You know, grab one of those images and 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 and, and meditate on that. But today, we want to consider another important aspect of church, and that is the design of the church. How has God designed it? That's what, right? Um, like I said, this might be a little more difficult, you know, because we're carrying grass, but I, do, I think that there is hopefully something, something will be profitable in this series to help us understand, um, you know, the character of the church. And, um, and, and when we say the church, that means you and I, you know, there's a design that God has, you know, and our plan today is to lay some foundations. We're going to just quickly some foundations, try to define terms so that you have an idea what, we, what are we talking about. So the question that we're asking is, what is the design of the church? Right, design. Now, that question, that question is very abstract, and, and it's like, well, what do you mean by design? We're going to get to that in a minute. But let me, let me give you, I don't normally like to do this, but for this series, I want to do this. So I want to help you to, I'm going to tell you the answer. I like the, induct, I like the inductive approach better. You know? <laughs> I'm going to give you the answer. Um, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll, then we'll flush it out. But I, but I, I just want to, I want to live rather, rather than trying to like, uh, prove a point and at the end um, give you, okay, what, what's the meaning of it? I'm going to tell you what is, now, I don't think this is going to do much for you, personally, because I think even, even the, even the answer, now, I have a thousand questions about that too, but here it is, right? Um, the design of the church is corporate oneness. Corporate oneness. So I'm, I'm giving it to you so you can have that as, an, as a propositional anchor because we're going to talk a lot about a lot of things. But I'm telling you where I'm going. And you might say, now, this doesn't answer. I, I, I told you this isn't going to do a lot for you. But, uh, but at least you have some idea. It's corporate oneness. All right, so... Let's begin. The pattern of the tabernacle. Look, look at Exodus 25. Exodus 25. Let, let them make me a sanctuary. Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle. Pattern of the tabernacle. God gave Moses explicit instructions to make a sanctuary, not willy-nilly, not like do what you think is best. You know, just use common sense, Moses. You know, I can't, I can't use common sense. <laughs> that's most of us. That's how we read this. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> and then we go about our own common sense. No, no, Moses, you, you, you've done great, but your greatness is not enough. I got, I, I got to give you some blueprints. You know, you know. And the, and the, why does, why does we need a blueprint? Because it implies that we have no clue. <laughs> Right? We, it, it implies that you have no idea what God is after. 
we, by nature, we don't, we don't know. By na- I don't care how good you think you are. I don't, I, you, you, your thoughts are as far as the east is from the west from God. Amen? My ways are not your ways. Right? My thoughts are not your thoughts. I mean, that, right? like at the end of the day, we've got to reckon with the fact that me and God are as opposite as possible apart from Christ. Our ways are not his ways. And that's a hard lesson for us 21st century Christians. We want to do things our way, and we don't, we don't need a pattern. I've got, I, I know what I need to do. You know, No, we don't. We don't have no clue how God is supposed. God's going to do his. His ways are so unique, so magnificent, and so mind-boggling. We don't know. We don't know how to build. So, so he tells Moses, I know you've been a good man. You did great works. And, uh, I, yeah. <laughs> but you know what? You, you, need my, you need my help. Here's a pattern. Here's a pattern of the tablet. Right? The word pattern there in the original language just simply means model, shape, form. What is a pattern? It's something that is intended to be used as a guide for making something else. Right? A pattern is meant to be used as a guide to make something. Right? You know, my mom used to do um, sewing. And what, if you've done sewing, what are, you, what are you looking for? A pattern. They actually call them, right? They call them patterns. And what are patterns, Sue? Right? And, and what, what material are they made out of? Metal? Flimsy paper, right? <laughs> You, you flimsy paper. You, 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 my mom used to, used to be, and she had, a, she had these patterns, and um, patterns for the sleeve, and the, all these sections are a pattern. A pattern is a guide to help you make something else, and the, and the end product is a real dress, a real uh, garment, a real clothing. It's a pattern. It's a guide for making something else. Um, the word has also been used. The same word that is used here in Exodus 25, verse 9, pattern, is also used in 1 Chronicles uh, 28, 11, and 12, all right, with respect to the temple of Solomon. All right? Then David gave Solomon his son. What did he give him? The plan. The pattern. Same word. The plan of the vestibule of the temple. And of its houses, its treasures, its upper rooms, its inner chambers, its uh, in the room for the mercy seat, and the plan, right, of all that he had in mind for the course of the house of the Lord, all the surrounding. So, so it's a plan, it's a pattern, it's a form, right? We, 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 these are things that um okay, there's a there's 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 a method to the madness when it comes to the building of the church. There's there's a method. There's a there's a design that God has given. And I think the word design, the, you know, instead I could have called this message the pattern of the church, the plan of the church, but I, I think design is a more contemporary term that we like to use. The design. A design is, is, is a type of pattern. You know, before you begin construction on a project, you have what? Design documents, plans, right? Uh, plans. Uh, this is the way it's going to be. Those are very important. Some of us just want to get to do the work right away. How, how many of you have been done? Let's just do the work, you know. And then you forget. Oh, I forgot this. I forgot that. Why? Because you don't. You didn't do the work up front of figuring out the whole thing first. But God is not like God is a God of order. God is a God. He, he, he has a plan. He's put together a plan, a pattern, right? And um, and so this is the most important stage in in the project. Believe it or not, the most important stage is the design because. If you don't do it, it's going to be a disaster. If you do it wrong, it's going to be a disaster. <laughs> All right. So, so the design is so important in anything that you do. Um, and design happens all the time. If you want to remodel your room, and you, maybe you're not looking at a million-dollar project. You just want to remodel your room. If you just start moving chairs, you, you're going to be there forever. You're going to be confused. Stop, think, draw it up. Where do I want the couch? What color do I want walls? You know, think, don't, don't start doing the work before you have a plan, a sketch of what you want to do. And that's very useful in life, by the way. Plan. 
don't just do things. What is it that you're going to do? How are you going to think about contingency? Con what if this breaks? What if this is not available? What if we don't have enough of that? You plan. You have a design. So the, the point is that the, the, uh, there is a pattern or design that is associated with the church that God has determined. God has determined a plan, uh, uh, right? And we all have to, uh, every pastor, every church has to say, am I, am I, is our church being built according to the pattern that God gives in the scripture? That's a very serious question that, you know, a lot of pastors, sincere pastors, I think, are always wrestling. Am I doing this according to the word of God? Am I doing this or am I just doing what I think is convenient? Am I doing what I think is relevant? Am I doing what I think is going to meet the felt needs of the people? Right? Um, there is a tendency, and sometimes it's good intentions. Good intentions, right? How many had beautiful intentions? Beautiful. But it became a disaster. <laughs> Right, here we go, right? Beautiful intentions end up in a disaster. <laughs> so, you know, you, intentions can be good. You, you, could, you could set out, to, and it's a total disaster. So it doesn't mean that people have bad intentions. It just means that we're, we're not being self-conscious about the design that God has given in his word and to say, okay, Lord, how do we do this? And, and God does not expect perfection. Praise God. There isn't a, a demand of perfection. That's why we need the blood. That's why we need the righteousness. But he does ask us, seek my face. Seek me and you will find me. Right? There is a demand to seek God, to seek his wisdom, and to humble ourselves. Because we realize we don't know. I love what some, you know, somebody, I heard someone say today, learn to doubt your doubts. <laughs> you, know, just, you, know, you, know, you got doubt, doubt, doubt them and just put your trust in God. Amen? So the design of the church is something fixed. It doesn't change with time. It doesn't change with, um, right? It doesn't change with time. It doesn't change with cultural fads and the passing of time. The pattern of the tabernacle remains the same since the beginning. So what do we mean by design? What exactly is the meaning of design? When we lay this groundwork and then we'll start. I'm going to ask two questions. Two questions only and then we'll stop. What do we mean by design? First of all, before, because design is such a, design is such a complicated concept to think about, right? Like, you know, in some ways, so you can have a hard time. What question is design not meant to answer? And this is important, and I, I felt, uh, design does not answer all the questions. It doesn't answer, it's not meant to answer all the questions. Design is not gonna answer all the questions. So I and, I, and I, thought, I thought this was important for you to at least direct your thinking. Um, it's not meant to answer. What kind of question is design not meant to answer? Right? The, the design is not meant to answer what, I, what is called in philosophy, right? The ontological question. What does that mean? What is it? What is it? Design does not answer the question, what is that? It's not meant to answer that question. What is it? Design is not going to give you. I'm shaping your thinking because I know some people think design, you might think design is giving you what something is. Design doesn't give you that question. It doesn't answer that question. God alone can tell you what something is because he made it. Only God can answer that question. So, I want you to know that we, in this series, right, um, we are not answering the question, what is the church? That's not what we're after. We're not after that. Hopefully, some of that was answered in the last six weeks with those biblical images. What is the church? Oh, the church is like a field. It's like, right, a building. Yeah, those are ontological questions. What is the church? What is it like? So hopefully you could go back to those series to understand what is the church. And that's important that you separate that. What is it? We spent six weeks telling you what is the church. It's a field. It's a building. It's the body of Christ. That's what it is. That, is that clear? So then the question we ask is, 
what is designed meant to answer. Right? I, 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 was, think, I was thinking about this. Um, um <laughs> when a three-year-old comes to you with a, pa- with a painting, right? we usually ask, if we're honest, the ontological question. <laughs> Son, what is that? <laughs> Dad, that's me playing baseball. Oh, beautiful. And that goes alive. <laughs> but <laughs> right? But, you know, so, so yeah, so 3 we, we we have to know, right? Someone gives you, what is that? What, what is that thing? Design is not meant to answer that question. So, brother, if you want to go, if you want to know what is the church, go back to the series of messages that we're on through. But what does, what is um, design meant to answer? Very important. First of all, let me give you a definition of a design. This is the, my best, my best one. A design refers to an internal arrangement of a part, how the parts are arranged that is going to be used to reveal how something is meant to function. Okay? It's the internal arrangement of the parts. And that internal arrangement of the parts shows how how that thing is functioning. Does that make sense? You know, think about this, guys. So, um, design is meant to answer what I think is two questions. Design answers two questions, basically, all right? It's meant to answer the question, right? What, not what is it, not design, I'm, that's not, I'm not going to help you with that question. What does it do? Secondly, how does it do it? That was, this was helpful for me because I'm, I'm navigating in my own mind trying to understand how, how can we make this understandable. It's not answering the question, what is it? Nope. But it's going to be extremely helpful to understand what does it do, how does it do it? What does the church do? What is it the church meant to do? And how is the church meant to do it? That's design. God's design is going to answer that question. Do you want to know how to do it? Let's forget about the church. Think about your life. Design is going to answer two questions for you. How are you supposed to do what God's called you to do? Right? No, first of all, what what God has called you to do and how he, he wants you to do it. All of us have design. Like, we're looking now at the church, right? So, but sometimes we forget that there's a design right here. <laughs> They're internal arrangement of the parts, right? And guess what? All of our all of our parts are a little bit different. None of there are no two exact human beings. Everybody is unique. There's an internal arrangement of the parts. And there's a design. And how Emmanuel is supposed to do it. That has already been determined by God in my design. Does that make sense? That's liberating. That's, oh. Now, these are questions. That, that's why we need to seek God. There are no simple answers. Well, here it is. Go to Matthew chapter 13, and you'll see your, you'll see your design right there. Point 8B, that's for Charlene Rosa. <laughs> it's like, no, it's not. It, it, you got to seek the Lord. But this design thing is fundamental to what, how God has planned the world and how God has made you. And, and if you don't know your design, then you don't know really, you really, at the end of the day, you really don't know what you are meant to do and how you're supposed to do it. Does that make sense? Let me just, you know, quickly review. The design refers to the internal arrangements of the parts that reveal how something is meant to function. So design is going to answer two questions. What does it do? Not what it is. What does it do? How does it do it? You know, this, this is um, um, 
So design is always going to determine what something does and how it works. And how many people have are, ex are just depressed and I think I think um, a lot of people are don't know they they go about life and they don't really have a point. And you will never have a point. This is crazy. You will never know your design until you come to Christ. Test it. Make it. That's crazy, right? It's like ooh. The Lord says, come unto me, all you who are labored, the heavy labors. Implicit in that coming to him is like, if you don't come to him, you will really never know your design, what you're supposed to do, and how you're supposed to do it. That is peace. Only God can reveal that. That's why everyone that does know, not know Christ, they fall short of the glory of God. Because we need Christ to know. There has never been a person without Christ that's figured it out. Because if they're not glorifying, if they're not glorifying Christ, then they miss the boat, the entire boat. Because you better believe that whatever God has called us to do and how to do it, one thing for sure that will result is what? The glory of God. Amen. So, so design is so important, and I want to encourage you that even as we talk about the church, I want you to think about how God made you. We don't, we just don't, we just take that for granted. We just say, God made me, whatever. We don't even think about it. We don't really take a moment. Lord, thank you for making me. This is awesome. But you have, right, done something. What does it call me to do? God put every one of us here with a unique God-glorifying and it's unique. There's no redundancy. No redundancy. A unique star of the glory of God giving forth the glory in a unique and beautiful way. Everyone here. And yet, how many live their lives filled, not pure? So if you're interested to learn what something does or how something is supposed to work, then you must study what? The You know, let, let's Psalm 139, and we'll close with this. God has so arranged the different parts of who you are in a unique and particular way. Look what Psalm 139 says. You formed my inward parts. Now, when God is forming it, right, it's, there's a, he's designing it. He's a designer. I love, the, I love a designer because designer implies beauty. Right? Or he's a designer. There's something something unique about that term because like in fashion, right, they he designs clothing. There's a beauty to it. There's a, there, there's something elegant about the arrangement of the parts that it it creates beauty. And people say, That's beautiful. God is a designer. God has made you beautiful. For you formed my inward parts. Who did it? Who formed your inward parts? Gabriel? The seraphims? The one who is all beauty. The one that sneezes. And it's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. <laughs> like, Sneeze again, Lord. <laughs> that out of his pores is just beautiful. Right? Everything that he does is just, he moves, ah, oh, do it again. Everything that he does is just beautiful. Right? Can, can God do anything that is like a mega beautiful? Does he, does he have to make an effort to make it beautiful? No. It just flows out of him. If you say, Lord, can you draw me the letter D? There will be no D like it. D. Give me an E, Lord. That's awesome. 
right? right? Everything that he does is absolutely glorious. Now, he may be. <laughs> he made you. It took time. He formed. He didn't just like, come into being. No. He formed my inner parts. The one who's all beautiful. The one who like, his pores are just beauty. beauty. He's like, forming you. He knitted me together. I mean, the language here is so beautiful because it's just this picture of he's making something Every one of you, he has formed and knitted together. Now, I don't know about you, but that convicts me. Because every morning I wake up, like, oh, I'm tired, Lord. <laughs> As opposed to saying, oh, I'm sleeping once a day. <laughs> right? I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm convicted. I'm like, Lord, you know, this guy cut me off. I wanted that donut. <laughs> you know, and it's like the silliest things. You know, and it's like, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Remember that tomorrow morning when you wake up. That's still true. <laughs> I am. Amen? And what does that, what does that um, promote? I praise him. It's not to say like, oh, look at me. Oh, look, look at, I'm fearfully, wonderfully made. Look at this, look at this. Oh. Right? <laughs> no. It's to direct and say, oh, I, I praise you. Now, the psalmist just reading this because um, he got a glimpse. The psalmist is writing this because he's like, he saw something. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. And here's the point. My soul knows it. Do you know it? <laughs> Do you know that? Does your soul know it very well? Not just know it. No, the psalmist said, I know it very well. <laughs> I know it very well. This is awesome. I mean, like, hello? God wants you to know it very well. God wants you to know it. I'm fearfully, wonderfully made. It's so sad that so much of humanity, so many young people, Oh, I'm nothing. It's so sad that the devil has sold such a lie and said, you are, do you know who you are? You are fearfully, wonderfully made by the God who is a designer, the uh, glorious designer, and all he does is beautiful. And yet the devil gets into the minds of so many people because they fail to really draw in the word of God, and so the, the devil's there to kind of condemn them. You're a bum. Your mom didn't love you. Your dad didn't love you. You're a loser. You're a loser, right? And it's all a lie. Because this one verse tells you that this is true about everybody. Even the unsaved. I am fearfully made. Amen? It's not your feelings. You want to know. You want to know that um, what God has called you to do, how to do it. It's not your feelings. A lot of people, I feel this, I feel that. And then you had the transgender movement, which has really shifted that and made it such an abomination. Forget your design. Your design by God determines who you are, what you're supposed to do, how you do it. Amen? Let's not, let's not drink of this culture. 
You formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it well. I'm going to stop right there. So what does design is meant to answer? What is not meant to answer? What's the question that design is not meant to answer? <laughs> Secondly, what is design meant to answer? What does it and All right, so that's where we're going, right? You want to answer the what is the church? There's the man right there. Ron, <laughs> Ron he can uh, answer the ontological question. <laughs> he already has. What is it? Well, it's like a bride, a field. But we're going to get now into more. How does it do it? What does it do? How does it do it? All right? Um, and we'll hopefully try to lay a foundation. So next week, I'm gonna, you know, we're going to start to ask the question, how do we even begin to answer that question? So we'll, we'll, how do you begin to answer any question? This is a, if, okay, how, do, how is the church designed? How is it, what is it supposed to do? How do you go? You go to the Word of God, okay, and what kind of questions are you looking? What kind of things? Where can we go in the scriptures? You know, so we'll try to answer those questions so you can know. Uh, when you have questions like this, what do you do to direct your, your study in the word of God? So we'll take that up next week. But let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for um, this just wonderful time to, to lay some foundations of this pattern, this design of the tabernacle. I'm still learning. I'm, 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 Lord, I'm, I'm still learning. I still want to learn more. We want to understand. We don't want to be ignorant, Lord. We want to be knowledgeable. We want to show ourselves, study to show ourselves approved as a worker that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We want to be good stewards of the word of God. We want to be good stewards of the, of the Lord, of what you've given to us in the scriptures. And we want to grow in our understanding of what is real, what is spiritual. And so we're asking you to teach us these things. We don't want to just come to church and just kind of um, be kind of absent-minded throughout the week. But we want to really take to heart this call, um, this call that you've given us to, to follow you, to, to be a part of this community. And we want to understand this. And we're asking you to teach us by your spirit. Help us today, Lord, to, Lord, to, to, to incline our hearts and our minds to what is true. And so I thank you for this time. Thank you for this people. I pray that you would just deepen our joy, deepen our, our desire to know you, Jesus, more and more each day. And so I thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit today. I pray that everyone, Lord, as they go home, that they would um, just be encouraged in the Lord today. And don't allow the things of this world and the, and the pressures and the burdens and the problems to overwhelm their joy. I pray everyone here for a blessing just today and throughout the week that you would protect them and keep them and that we would meditate on these things, not just hear them on Sunday, but that we would give ourselves to thinking, meditating on these things so that we might know you, Jesus. And so thank you for all that you've done. We pray this in your name. And everyone said, amen. Well,